K through five, you are excused to go with Miss Becca to Kids Church. That's kids K through five. And John. Pastor John can go too. I mean, after a song like that, you're pumped up, right? Right? You're like, this sermon better be good. Right? No, that's a, that's a great song. Uh, it, it's one of my daughter Avonlea's favorite songs. And so the artist is Mandisa. So you can look up Mandisa and the song's titled Good News. Uh, she requests it all the time on the way to school. I mean, it's just a fun song. Uh, man. That'll get you jazzed. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We are in chapter 19, verses 16 through 30. And for those of you who uh, don't have it memorized and didn't bring your Bible with you, uh, go to the uh, Pew Bible and you can turn to page 980 and find it there. Again, that's Matthew chapter 19, 16 through 30. There it's written. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, What do you ask me? Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So two weeks ago, we began this new series on gospel fluency, on on what it looks like to be fluent in the gospel, right? So we heard from the end of Mark, uh, the, the commission to go and share the gospel. That is our calling as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to go into the world and share the gospel. Well, the question becomes, well, how exactly do we do that? And, and so we've come to an understanding that to do so, and to do so effectively, we must become fluent in the gospel. And, and we dove into what that looked like. And then last week, we, we, we had a refresher course on the gospel. It was the gospel explained And we looked at it through the lens of creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. And so today, we're going to start getting into the heart matters of things. But I've had people ask me and say, oh, this is is great, Pastor. What what evangelism program can we go get and get get started here? And the truth is, there's plenty of evangelism programs out there. I mean, they're, they're a dime a dozen, and, and some are, are really good, and then there are others. Um, yeah. But, but what I believe one of our biggest obstacles in life that comes to us when we talk about sharing the gospel is, is that there is a real battle being waged within our heart from our old nature to our new nature in Christ, between our flesh and the spirit that dwells within us. Paul made comment of this very struggle and says, I I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things I want to do. He he gave voice and said that this struggle is real in our life, that we are, are battling our flesh because we have been born again and given this new nature. We, we have to work daily to die to self in order to live for Christ. And so this conflict within us exists. And so for us, it comes to the point then that daily we need to hear the gospel. We need to have the gospel spoken to us, a, a reminder of who God is and what he has done. It's one of the reasons we come to the Lord's table every week here is because he says, do this in remembrance of me. When we look through the Old Testament, we see that God recognizes his people are a forgetful bunch. So he sets up festivals and meals so that they can tell the stories and remember what God has done. And through the Lord's Supper, he's done just that for us as well. And if we're really honest, it's really easy come Monday morning to forget about Jesus in our life at different times. We get busy, work happens, family happens, and we just get on autopilot or auto mode of living a life. And, and so what we often need, because this war is waging on within our hearts, is to be reminded daily of the gospel. But we don't always do that for ourselves. We aren't quick to think, well, yeah, I need to hear the gospel again in my life. Some of you are saying, well, pastor, you know, we're here. We're Christians. We know the gospel. We, we got this. That's good, but again, we forget. There, there are those moments. The storms come in our life, right? It, it's almost as if when we look at the disciples that are hanging out in the boat with Jesus and they're going through the storm 
that they forgot the king of all kings, the prince of peace, the Lord and Savior himself is in the boat with them, but they still freak out, right? And they have to wake him up. Those moments come for us as well. And in those moments and in the mundane and boring moments, we need to be reminded of the gospel. That was, well, that was an amen. So when we start talking about this, and, and we've talked about uh, matters of the heart, of old nature and new nature, the flesh and, and the spirit with battling, it, when we think of the heart and, and we come to it and the heart matters, the big question is always, what do you love? Or who do you love? It, this is a really easy question for myself. It, I, I love my wife, Ashley. I, I think she is absolutely uh, amazing, a, a fantastic mother, a fantastic wife. I don't think there's a thing she couldn't do except draw really well. And, and, so, and, and I love all three of my kids. They're all uniquely different with their own giftedness. And each one of them is, is so much fun. And I can tell you all about them. If you want to have a conversation about how Avonlea went two for three with a, with a triple and a double on Friday night in her softball game, right? I'm, I'm willing to tell you if you're going to sit and listen. And then if you catch me next week, I'll tell you about it then, too. I find myself repeating stories, but I think that may be, just be age keeping up on me. I also enjoy basketball. And, and through the years, uh, which sport I'm as obsessed with or in love with at the moment changes. But for over a decade now, I've really found myself enjoying professional basketball, the NBA, the National Basketball Association. And so I'll pour myself into podcasting and into articles and diving in and, and reading and learning all about it. it. And I've heard inquiring minds want to know, what do the pastors do throughout the week? Well, Pastor Nathan goes down to Pastor John's office and interrupts him working diligently and says, hey, who do you think the top five NBA all-time player, all players are, right? These are real conversations we have. Because you see, we talk about what we love most, and what we love most, we're willing to talk about. When we talk about those things we love, family, friends, or a hobby, or an interest, we will go have those conversations with friends, with family, and with strangers. And, and we don't have the worry that we don't know everything that we're going to say. We're not worried about questions that may come up to us. The, the anxiety about maybe the conversation might be awkward doesn't even occur. It, we're, we're willing to share and talk about it. We'll post about it on social media. We'll tell our friends and families. But you see, it's, it's our actions, our decisions, and our living that is an overflow of what the heart loves most. Our actions, our decisions, our very living is an overflow of what the heart loves most. Our hearts are revealed in that. For instance, when we look at the uh, rich young man in Scripture, you might also know him as the rich young ruler. Um, it, he, you can read this in also Luke, and you can also read this in Mark. And, and when we look at this man, we recognize that he was obedient. He was obedient to God's commands. He says, I've, I've kept all of these. In, in, in Mark, he says, I've kept all of these since my youth. I mean, kudos for him. I wasn't sure honoring my mother and father as a youth 
um, very well. Uh, he's religious, right? So if he's keeping all of the commands, that means he's also a t- uh, uh, paying attention to the sacrifices needed, to the offerings that he has to do, to the time in the temple, to the prayers, to the confessions, all that he must do. And, and so he's a very religious and obedient man. And he was curious about eternal life. So we see in this interaction with Jesus, Jesus doesn't brush him off and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't get terse with him in the conversation, but Jesus, it, it appears, loves the man, cares for him, and is willing to have this heart conversation with him. We're told Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is a pivotal moment in this young, rich man's life. He's testified to his obedience to God. He's testified to, to, to his faith in, in God. Yet, when Jesus asks him a question takes it straight to his heart. It's revealed he loved his possessions most. He wasn't as in love with the Father in heaven as he was with everything he gained in this world. In the same scripture, we, we get to see the disciples in, in the disciples where Peter exclaims, hey, we left everything, Jesus, and we did come and follow you. What do we get? Right? They, Peter has an anger issue. But, but our living, our lives, reveal what we love most. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear that God alone is worthy of being our greatest love. No other substitute. God alone. If you need reasons, I've got reasons for you. He created everything, including you. You were formed in your mother's womb by him, and the very breath you breathe is from him. But I get it. That's not good enough for everybody. He adopted you. He adopted you, daughters and sons. He didn't dismiss you and and, and throw you away. He loved you and welcomed you and brought you into his family. While we were sinning, while we're rebelling against him, he proves his love for us through Jesus Christ. He, He does this for you. Unconditional love grace that we absolutely do not deserve. God alone is worthy of being our greatest love. See, no one thing, no one person can compare to how great God is. And we'll forget that. We'll forget that from time. We won't remember and believe that in every part of our lives because 
if our lives and our words reveal what we love most. And we're all here because we love Jesus. Folks, it's time to get talking. It's time to get to talking. If you feel as though that maybe you're lacking in those gifts, hey, God didn't gift me with the personality to just run up and talk to strangers. You, you know, uh, having these interactions really aren't my sort of thing. It's not my bag, baby, right? Uh, start talking to yourself. Start telling yourself just how amazing God is. Tell yourself daily how awesome Jesus is. For you see, you're not going to be alone in talking to yourself, and you're not going to be like a, a, a someone who's, who's unstable in that way, but, but in talking to yourself, the Holy Spirit is there dwelling within your soul, in your, in, in your heart, there, and bragging on Jesus, helping you put your old nature to death, put your sin to death, and uplift Jesus, and gain your eyes towards him. Tell yourself about Jesus. And the more and more the Spirit reveals about Jesus to you, tell someone else. Did you know that Jesus loves me? Tell someone, tell your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, call up a friend just to chat about Jesus. It's going to be the hardest thing we do. And you say, well, this is going to get awkward, Pastor. These, you know, we're, we're brought up saying there's two things not to talk around, talk about around uh, gatherings with mixed company or with family at holidays, right? Politics and religion. What do you think a holiday is? Holy day, right? I mean, I mean, it was designed so that we would have these very conversations. It was created for such a purpose. But it's only awkward because we don't do it a lot, right? It's only awkward because we maybe we haven't really dove into having those conversations and because we're not fluent in the gospel. Right? We, we don't look and think, oh, here's an instance where I can speak part of the gospel into this person's lives and reveal another character trait about Jesus to them. Right? We don't feel awkward when we talk about the other things that interest us in lives. But guess what? If, someone, if you're afraid of the question, someone is going to come and ask you a question. You're not going to know the answer. That's okay. I don't know is an answer to that question. Also, you, you can say, I'm not sure about that. I'm willing to go learn. Can I get back to you? Or if there comes a challenge to what you have to tell them, say, say you know, I haven't thought about it that way. I'm going to go and, and read a bit more and pray about it. Can I get back to you later? There's real wisdom in that. And there's no shame in it either. You don't have to know everything. Right? You don't have to know but we do need to talk about Jesus. You see, we love because he first loved us. So if you don't know what to talk about, talk about that very first day. Talk about that first day that you recognized God's love for you was real in a, in a very real way, and, and it mattered within your life. We all have a moment that we've met someone really special in our lives. We can recall that. 
we can tell of that story, or we can tell of the day a, a child or a grandchild, a niece or a nephew was, was born. We can recall that very moment. It made an impact. So remember and think back to that moment when you first felt God's love for you in a real way. As a pastor, I grew up in the church. I've never not known Jesus loved me. I grew up in the church too, folks. I grew up in the church too. And it's okay to understand that while growing up in the church, I didn't understand most of what was happening around me. I failed pastor's class the first time through. I had to retake it to get back to it. And then, if I'm really honest with you, it wasn't until age 25 that I fully understood what my baptism was and what Christ meant for me. And then it wouldn't be really until age 29 or 30 before I fully understood the gospel. And I was raised in the church. And so it's okay to have that story. It's okay to say, well, I was raised in the church, so I must have known God's love forever. And it's also okay to say, I was raised in the church and it took a while to acclimate. We love because he first loved us. See, the disciples, when we watch this encounter with the rich young man, they, they too, we can sense a bit of overwhelmingness, right? He just says, it's going to be really difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven. And they go, who then can be saved? We can hear the, the anxiety in their question. Who then can be saved? And, and, and maybe it's that this feels like too great a calling or, or that you won't be able to do it at all. There are plenty of times when we watch the disciples that they felt they were wholly inadequate for the calling laid before them. So we can join with them and know that we're not alone in feeling that way. So you see, it was after Jesus died on the cross, the disciples were mourning and grief and shock and, and scared. And they hid out in a house together. And then Jesus, after being resurrected, comes and appears to them and reassures them of his power, of his love, of his grace, and of their call. And then, from the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down going forward, you could not get them to stop talking about Jesus. They tried. They brought them in and said, if you keep talking about Jesus, we're going to beat you up. And they're like, well, we're just going to have to do what God tells us. They kept getting bolder and bolder in their speech until one day they all would stand up and give their life just so one more person could be told about Jesus Christ and his gospel. And some of you are ready to go do that today. But not all of us are there. So for those who aren't, start talking to yourself. Start telling yourself daily. Remind yourself of the gospel daily. Every day is a new day. We wake with new mercies every morning. Isn't it incredible we go to bed and we wake up the next morning and we still believe Jesus is Lord and Savior? 
Remind yourself. Read about God. Read about his loving kindness, his gentleness, his care, his comfort. But please do not abandon this love you have for God. And do not keep it to yourself. See, we talk about what captures our Do you love Jesus? Amen. This morning as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, and and we're remembering here who God is and what he's done, Paul writes it to the Corinthians in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. He says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice sexual immorality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one who is too far gone for the grace of Jesus. There's no sin too big that his blood cannot cleanse. And we remember that it was our sin that made the cross necessary. So when we hold on to this bread and cup, we also remember that it is his grace that saved us. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, as we gather around this table this morning, bless this bread and this cup that as we eat and drink of it together, it strengthens us, it nourishes our body and soul, And that we remember, we remember our own sinfulness. But we also remember your grace, your love, and your mercy. Oh God, may this meal give us the energy needed to go forth to the calling you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray.